Hi, I'm John. And I'm Cecilia. Welcome to Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. Hey, Crazy Cats. We have uh, something completely different for you tonight, and actually over the next few weeks. When I was young, I'd have a lot of paranormal experiences, and I believe John did as well. Yes. But we didn't talk about it, right? People would say, hey, you're crazy, or you would think you were crazy, but nobody ever talked about it when we were growing up. So we kept that kind of stuff to ourselves. As we got older and we became more open, we realized a lot more people had experiences and were also afraid to talk about it. So we reached out on Facebook, on the Nextdoor app, to our neighbors, to our family, to our friends, to friends of friends, strangers, to have them come and tell us their stories, to share their stories in a sign of support, to show the world that this is not as unusual or as crazy or as misfit as people might think. And we expected a couple of people, you know, four people, maybe five. We were overwhelmed by the number of people who came forward wanting to share their stories. So we put together a series and we're looking at about four parts, maybe five, depending, where people will come and share their personal stories and talk about what has happened to them. It's not what happened to my friend. It's not what happened to my dog groomers, cousins, nephews, mailman. It's what they saw, what they witnessed. And like I said, we were overwhelmed. We, we got so many responses. There's so many people out there. And it's really important, I think, for everyone to know if you're experiencing something, you are not alone. Do not be afraid to speak up. It's not just happening to you. So I want you to grab your favorite blanket Grab your favorite set of headsets, sit back, and listen to their stories as they tell them to us. So let's all just kick off part one with our first guest. We'd like to welcome Christy tonight. She's going to share some of her personal stories with us. Welcome, Christy, and thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I do have a couple of personal experiences with some paranormal encounters. The first one, I used to stay with my grandparents every summer out in um, East Texas, Northeast Texas, and I always heard stories that my grandma's house was haunted, not by any, you know, menacing spirits, but by these two figures, a woman and a man, who would just kind of appear and sort of walk the hallway, the length of the hall, and they were dressed in, you know, this 18th century or 1800s, I guess, 19th century clothing. And I never saw them, and I was always really envious of my family members who had seen them. I would sleep with my grandmother. My grandparents didn't sleep in the same bed. My grandfather's bed was against one wall, and my grandma's bed was against a wall that kind of you could see out of the bedroom door from her bed. So I would sleep in her bed. And I remember one night, I was lying in bed, and I opened my eyes, and I looked down the hall, and they always kept the kitchen light on at night. And so I looked down the hall, and I saw a woman standing in the hallway. And I assumed it was my grandmother. And so, you know, I called her a couple times, uh, quietly, so I didn't wake up my grandfather. And the woman did did not move at all. So I was like, oh, all right, I guess she didn't hear me. And so I turned over and then realized my grandmother was actually sleeping in bed next to me. And then I thought, oh, and I flipped back to like see it again and it was gone. I only really saw the silhouette. And how old were you? Oh, I probably was 14, 13, 14. So you wow. were older. Yeah. Yeah. Was this your first experience? That was, yes. And so that, you know, 
a lot of people said, you were dreaming. And I was like, I wasn't dreaming. I was very much awake. Like, I, I vividly remember every in, m- moment of that night. So was this apparition or, or manifestation, was it solid? Like a person standing there? Or was it like a, the classic movie scene where they're trans- partially transparent and you can see the kitchen behind them? Oh, yeah, no, it was very solid. But all I saw was their silhouette. I'm sorry, I should have said that. So as if someone were standing in the hall with the light behind them on all you see is a silhouette. That's all I could see. Just, but it totally blocked huge silhouette. Totally blocked all the light source behind. Totally blocked it. Yeah. That's yeah. a rare occurrence. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty serious full on. How'd, how'd you feel about it? I felt kind of excited actually. Um, through the norm, through the many stories I had heard, you know, from my cousin and my, my uncle and my grandparents, of course, I knew that there, there was no, evil, I guess. Like, they didn't do anything. They just kind of stood there. And so I didn't feel threatened at at all by it. I was more excited about it. And did your experience coincide with their stories that they had shared? Were there any similarities? Yes. The similarity would be uh, she appeared in the hall and she didn't really move. If you could think it's kind of creepy because where she appeared seemed to be in front of my uncle's door because his, his bedroom was off of that hallway as well. And so if you think like maybe she was standing in front of his doorway, that adds a little element of creepiness to it. But um, she didn't move. Yeah. So they, she didn't really, they really didn't do anything and just like appear right. in the hall and sometimes move around the hall. Yeah. Did your uncle have anybody associated with him who had passed, a female that had passed away? No. Okay. How long had the apparitions been appearing in the house? That I don't know. I don't have no idea. I'm guessing they had mentioned it years, so it had probably been years, but I don't know if it had been like, they built that house on that land. And so I don't know if it had been the the whole time the house stood there or if it had just been, you know, within the past five years. I have no idea. Around when was it built? Like a long time ago? Yes. Okay. Probably okay. in the 10, 20 years ago. I mean, like, yeah, way back. No, no, no. Yeah, way back. Okay. Could you make out any type of uh, clothes or dress or anything like that? She was definitely wearing a dress. It looked like a high-waisted dress, just like you would picture, you know, like someone from, I don't know, Little House on the Prairie or something like that wearing very, very old-fashioned. But just the style of the dress through your silhouette is all I could really tell. Definitely didn't look like anything my grandmother would wear, but eh. (laughs) <laughs> Who else would it be in the hall? <laughs> you know? Just to make you feel better about that, uh, we were staying somewhere and I saw John walk past the front of the bed, go out of the room, go out the front door of this place that we were staying at. Only John was never in the house to begin with. So <laughs> Yeah, I was outside that whole time. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be creepy. <laughs> Did you, and you never saw her again in that house? Nope. That was my only time. Wow. But I did talk to my sister recently, um, and then I did find out that she actually saw the man and the woman one time and uh, got scared. (laughs) She was afraid of it. But At the same time? They were together? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. They appeared together. That's interesting. Did they ever have anybody come out to the house to investigate or walk through or anything? No, I don't think they would have ever even considered doing that. Because now I'm curious. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I know. It, it sounds residual, but some people are all right with just, hey, this is part of our life here. And, yeah. you know, they don't bother us and we're okay with it. Very, very country folk who probably didn't 
tear it all. The house is still there. I mean, it's probably in need of, um, it might need to be torn down at some <laughs> point, but, you know, sometimes I wonder. Who, who owns it? Um, my uncle, well, like, I guess my parents now and my uncle, but they have a, a like a family friend staying there, kind of renting it. Okay. So it's still in the family. It's still in the family. Mm-hmm. Has a family friend said anything about seeing this couple? Not that I know of, but yeah, I don't. He's more like my uncle's friend, and so I don't really. You probably wouldn't have heard if he had. If he had, I, I mean, I should knock and be like, hey, by the way, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you might. Guys know. Since we're having this conversation <laughs> and you're appearing on this podcast, uh, yeah, might be a good follow-up. Find out what's going on over there currently. That's a really cool story. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I wish, you know, I don't wish it were scarier because I, I am completely 100% happy with my calm story. <laughs> yes. No, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> you, you know what? It's a cool story, though, because you've got to see a, a full body, solid manifestation. Yeah. And not a lot of people can say that. Nope. Not many at all. Not many at all. Oh, okay. So you can be proud of that. Yeah, okay. All I can see is uh, peripheral vision. I can just get hints and glimpses in the peripheral vision. If I ever look straight at it, it's not there for me. Um, that's as far as I can go. Oh. That's why you have me. Yeah. Yeah. Cecilia's more sensitive to it. I think more than visual, you're more, you get tactile touches and yeah. you hear. Yeah. They, you hear they, things that They like there. to tap me a lot. Yep. And poke. <laughs> uh, so you had a second story you wanted to share. Yes, and, and just so you know, Siri, I would never want to be poked by a <laughs> like, by an entity that's not physically next to me. That would freak me out. Especially not in the kidney. They they really like to go for it I right know, there. They got a thing oh. for my my left kidney. They like to just poke me there and get my attention, but well that's another day. Yes, I do have another story. So this one was weird and I had forgotten all about it. But so a little backstory because uh, so growing up I went to, um, you know, a school, a, a smaller school. And so from elementary to middle school to high school, you know, all the, all the students kind of fed, you know, into the same schools. So there were no other schools kind of feeding into the high school. So it was the same students going all around. And I had, in elementary school, I had a friend, um, and we were pretty close. Her name was Sarah. And so, you know, in elementary, you have a group of friends and you hang out. And then in middle school, you might start growing apart a little bit. Well, in high school, we had definitely grown apart and we were in different cliques, I guess, social circles. Social circles, I was going to suggest, yeah. Social circles. So we were definitely, um, I mean, we weren't enemies and we were friendly with each other and we were both part of the National Honor Society, but we weren't really friends anymore. And she was more, I was kind of, I guess, more of a jock. And she was more of like, she would go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show and she would probably hang out with people who might want to party a little bit, you know, so we were very different. Oh, my crowd. (laughs) Well, yeah, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like a fun crowd. I figured that out later. (laughs) um, We went, so when I was a senior in high school, I was on the basketball team and we over like the Christmas, it was right around Christmas time or in November, we had gone to, not November, I'm sorry, December. We'd gone to a basketball tournament in another town. So we were staying in a hotel. While we were there, we actually found out that Sarah had, um, had passed away. Oh. 
she had gotten in a car accident. Yeah, she had gotten in a car accident, had possibly been drinking, I don't know, and got in a car accident and died. And so, you know, of course, we were all just freaking out because none of us were in town and we're like, what the heck? And that was just so freaky to me. So, you know, a lot of us girls, I guess, were in one hotel room and just believe it or not, you know, even though we're seniors, girls can be really stupid in your hotel rooms and do weird things. But one girl said, why don't we um, have try to talk to Sarah with the Ouija board, and I'm like, well, who has a Ouija board or a Ouija board? And <laughs> who travels with one of those? You know, I'm like, who just brings them? With us? So, but uh, they said you don't actually have to have the store bought one. You can make one. Mm-hmm. You just have to like write down the letters and the yes or no, whatever, whatever. So, of course, we're like, this is a great idea. <laughs> so we wrote down, you know, we created a Ouija board, and we used this um, like someone's big circular earring as the forget what it's called planchette the little (laughs) planchette yes to um you know to kind of identify the letters so i was not i guess i volunteered i don't even know how i became the one of them to use the the ouija board that we made with another one of my friends and you know of course we were using it we're like we would like to talk to i won't use her last name but sarah um blah 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 blah. and then she started saying that she was there talking to us and we're like "Mm mm-hmm but it was moving, you know, so we're like, okay, I guess. And then she spelled out sorry. And we're like, sorry, what are you sorry for? Wow. You know, and then she spelled out Christy. So I was like, oh my gosh. All I could think is in my brain was that if this is really Sarah, maybe she's sorry because my sister was younger than me, but also kind of a party girl. So I was like, maybe she feels sorry that, you know, she and my sister were probably doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. You know, maybe she was a bad influence. I don't know. So I, I really couldn't figure out why she would would say that. And a part of me didn't even really know if this was happening. You know, it was very doubtful. Christy, the first thing that huh? first thing that came into my mind when you said that that was her response and it was directed at you was maybe uh, maybe she was sorry that you your friendship had kind of drifted apart That's as y'all got older. Is that where your mind went to? Yeah. Maybe, but I actually figured it out um, because I asked, and 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 that's when I knew it 100% was her. Um, so I said, why are you sorry? Why would you be sorry? And she spelled out cookie, and I stopped immediately, and I started crying because I knew that there was no way in a hundred years anyone else like, even the person I was playing, you know, who was on the other one, who you always say, well, someone's moving it. There was no way anyone would have spelled that. And what happened is a few weeks before we were, oh, like, because I mentioned the National Honor Society before, we had had a bake sale, and she had made Divinity. And I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, my Lord, what is that? You know, she's like, oh, it's Divinity, and it looks so amazing. And I said, can I try one? And then she said, well, I actually sold the exact same amount that I made, but I will make you some and you can have them later. And I was like, okay, great. And I was so like happy about it. And then when she spelled out cookie, I realized, oh my Lord, it's her, yeah. you know? And, and like, cause even, you know, how some people say like your subconscious did it, like there's no way, like right. my mind was nowhere near even thinking something like that. And nobody else could have anticipated that. I mean, there's no way anybody no. could have done that intentionally. 
No, yeah, and it just it made me sad, like just so sad because sure. she she was there and she realized we were there, and and I just you know what didn't think at the time to ask how are you, you know, like if you even have that kind of like I don't know awareness after right. I have no idea, but uh that was that was very difficult. Yeah, yeah, but it's also very awesome that you got to connect with her like that. It was, yeah. I think that story broke my heart. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sad, but it's also it's also kind of happy in a way. Yeah, it was it was neat. Like after afterwards, I was able to think of it as neat that we were able to connect with her. But at the time, I couldn't even do it anymore. I had to stop. And oh, of course. Um, I just immediately. Like I don't know if it's breaking a connection, but I, I stop. I'm like I can't. Like I can't. That's 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 it. That's her. You know. I was 100 percent convinced. So. Well, you were a real trooper to even take it as far as you did. Sorry. That's all right. Our cat's meowing in the background. I'm sorry. That's our cat's meowing like crazy in the background. So you're good. Okay. I'm like I guess my dog. I put the one of them away, but I guess the other one heard something. So it probably heard he our cat. To run <laughs> have you tried to? Have you tried the Ouija board since? Um, I think so, just like occasionally with parties with friends or something, but um, never really anything that uh, stood out. Um, my mom has a great Ouija board story, but... Would she be interested in calling in and sharing it? Possibly. Okay. I can ask her. Um, it would sure fit on this episode. Yeah. If she doesn't, I could probably tell you, because I'm sure I've heard it so many times, because I think they were trying to get us not to ever use it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, the the many conversations about why not to use it. If she wouldn't get mad at you and you'd be willing to tell it, we'd be willing to listen. We're all here. Yeah, we could <laughs> capture it right now if you think you know it well enough to convey it. I could try. So my mom and dad had been married maybe a couple years. They got married early, you know, young, like around 20, 21. Okay. And so they were still very young and no kids yet. And they were hanging out with another couple. And so they were decided that that night they were going to play with the Ouija board. And so they waited until late at night and they um, lit some candles. They had a candelabra. And the candles on the candelabra were probably only about two inches apart or, you know, um, spaced apart from each other. And so they turned off all the lights and had the candles and they started um, asking the questions. And I guess it was um, just, I think it was my mom and the other woman who were playing it first and just asking the questions because um, I remember they kept thinking that the guys were kind of making fun of them and teasing them. And so they were asking the questions and they were, they had started talking to somebody. And so they asked the, the spirit, I guess, what his name was. And he said, Hovely. What was that? Hovely. Hovely? I guess like H-U-V-L-E-Y. Okay. Yeah. Hovely. And so they just kind of were still playing with it and asking questions. And they're like, well, we don't believe you're really here, you know, in the room with us. If you're here make the candles flicker. And all of a sudden, all the candles kind of went crazy. The flames, you know, went crazy on the candles and they flickered and they were like, "Mm mm-hmm. So my mom was like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, one of you guys blew on them. And so they're like, well, if you're really here, make the candles flicker one by one. And they said that all of a sudden, like, like one candle on one end just went crazy, the flame, while the other two were dead still. 
And then the other one on the other end went crazy and the other ones were dead still. And then the middle one went crazy, you know, and the other ones didn't move at all. And so. All right. Wow. That's not the AC vent. At that point, they're like, <laughs> we're done. They're <laughs> like, we're done. And so they decided, throw it away. You know, we don't want to play with <laughs> They decided, seance, them out. over. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's enough of that. And, um, and then uh, my mom, I've actually never verified it, but my mom said later that, um, they looked up Hubley, and apparently he's an actual, like, it's a name of a demon. But I don't know where they looked it up, because we didn't have internet back then. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, you guys are pretty good at your research. But Cyclopedia Britannica. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Popular demon names. I'm not quite sure where they looked that one up. But, um, library? Yeah. <laughs> that library, yes. Card catalog. Library? What's that? <laughs> right. So anyway, I'm sure she could tell it much better, but that was their story of... Uh, the candles and the the hubbly. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I heard it many times. I won't ever forget that name. <laughs> Did they ever have any problems after that? No. Not that I know of. They never said anything about that. I'm sure I would have heard if they had. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, love I mean, when you have stories. candles that close together mounted to a candelabra. Yeah. And they individually react on command like that. That's not the, the ceiling fan. Um, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know there's something else. Yeah. yeah, there's something else affecting that flame. Something else, yeah. Yeah, if I saw that, I'd be like, no, done. Yeah, I think I'd be <laughs> done at that point, too. I saw The Exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, I think that, that might have been the point where I said, okay, it's... Time to th- move on to something else. Time to go outside for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, got to get out of here for a minute, yeah, so... I think those are the only main ones I guess I have. I'm sure, like, I'm sure there are so many in my family because I'm sure every family has tons of them, but those are the main ones I can think of. Those were really great stories. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing them with us. Oh, of course. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Yeah, this is great. Well, thank you guys. And our next caller to share her experiences is Amy. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. I hear you have some interesting stories you want to share. Yes, and I love sharing them. And I'm so glad that you're doing this show because (laughs) it's basically giving me a platform or other people a platform to discuss some things that maybe are sometimes not all that culturally popular to say out loud. And um, other people may be having similar experiences and needing, like, to have some sense of validation, maybe. Um, But, yes, this is a real thing that they're experiencing and that we are eternal beings and there's more to this life than what we can see and touch. And so this is why I like talking about it because it's just super validating for other people, too. And that, like, yeah, you're not crazy and I'm not crazy. Like, this actually happened. Um, to me or to you. That's awesome. So, anyway, thank you guys for doing this. And that's actually the point of us doing these particular series is so people can see that they're not alone in their experiences. Yes, and I think that's huge. I really do. I feel like that is part of my story about it is a big feeling of feeling alone and not knowing what to do about what was happening in my house growing up and not knowing who to turn to. And so it was a lot of trying to figure that out as I was growing up. Luckily, I have siblings, so we could talk about it with each other. So I knew I wasn't experiencing this just only on my own. Otherwise, I would have felt crazy. So basically, what happened in my life was 
Um, growing up, the house that I grew up in, this is a house that my parents built. It wasn't an old Victorian house or anything. It was a house that they built on some land that they bought out in Georgetown, Texas. About what, uh, about what year was that or so? They built the house in about 1978 okay. um, in Georgetown. And um, we started experiencing, I would say, very negative, um, malicious, paranormal activity. Um, from the time I could re- remember, maybe from the time I was six or seven, a very blatant stuff started happening in our house. Um, it started off with general feelings of I'd be in a room and I'd feel like I wasn't alone. I'd be being watched or, um, you would be, uh, you would go to bed at night. I would go to bed at night and I'd feel like something was watching me from the closet. So Mm. I'd get up and I'd close the closet really quick. Right. Um, this wasn't something that I was just going through as a little kid. This was something that my brothers were also going through. And then eventually, I would say in, a, in maybe another year or so, it graduated to the point to where we would all see, and for a short period of time, I used to share a room with my brother, um, we would see what looked like my mom come into the room in the middle of the night, but I could see through her. Oh. I could look through the threw her to the bathroom beyond my room and she would be walking towards my bed. I would close my eyes, maybe thinking it would go away. And then I'd open my eyes and it wouldn't go away. It'd be closer because it had kept walking towards me. And then I close my eyes and open them and it'd be closer and sitting on the edge of my bed. And it wasn't a feeling of cool. My mom, I feel peaceful. It wasn't that it was accompanied with a feeling of, of, oh, this is bad. This is really, really bad. Yeah. So, And did your brother see that? Yes. So this was the interesting thing is that we shared a room. So a lot of times we would see it together. Oh, that's, that's huge. Yes. This is why it's so big because it was verifiable. Right. Um, between us and uh, even though my parents didn't talk about it for a long time because they were really embarrassed, right, by what we were saying because they didn't know what to do about it. Did they see it too? Yeah. My parents, yes, come to find out years later when we talked about it more as a family, they said that they saw things, not not of my mom coming towards them, right, but they saw, they basically said that they would be in bed and they would wake up in the middle of the night because they had this presence, and there would be something huge and dark walking towards them. They would see and they would hear footsteps and see their the outline of their door going into the living room just be blacked out because something came through it, and then something would sit down on the edge of the bed, and they would sit up and it would leave. Oh, right. So they would see that, and they wouldn't tell us that until years later. But that's what they were going through, too. All the while, they just were like, wow, our kids are having really bad dreams all the time. So did they have anything going on when they were building the house? Or is it something that just kind of started all of a sudden? Right. So this is always um, something that I struggle with growing up, the why, right? This is a big deal. Like, why? Did we build it on an Indian burial ground? Like, what, what happened here? So... Basically, to fast forward a few years, this kept happening um, throughout the evenings. We would see things. 
Um, our lights would be turned on and off. And the, as kids, we'd have to go turn off all the lights before we left the house. And it was always a big deal who had to go do it because we knew it was just going to turn back on. <laughs> and then I would get, I would get home before other, my, my brothers, because my bus got to the house first and I was alone for a while because my parents worked. And so as, as a 11 year old or a 12 year old, I would get home and I would, tasked with just sitting at home until my parents got there. And basically, I would start hearing the doors open and shut, keys jingle, voices. And I would think, oh, cool, my parents are home, but no one was there. Oh. And it happened for, it happened multiple times, enough to where I'd just sit outside until my family got home because I couldn't go into the house. So then fast forward a few more years, and then basically my youngest brother, who was maybe five at the time, kept getting kicked out of pre-K because he was so bad. Like he would attack other kids. Then we would have to watch him and babysit him and he would attack us with knives and all this crazy wow. stuff. Wow. So he would start seeing what looked like my mom. And we, we found this out later just from talking to him. He would say he would see what looked like my mom come in through the wall and try to like take him and he would try to follow her through the wall. And we of course were only seeing him wake up screaming, clawing at the wall. And he would tell us and tell my mom, oh, I saw you and I tried to follow you through the wall and I couldn't. That's all like our perspective. Amy, you just gave me goosebumps because a, a little known story from my own past when I was about three or four, four, maybe going on five, right around that same age, I had a very similar experience. Wow. Mm, maybe that's why we're supposed to be talking today. Maybe. I've never heard anybody else talk about things coming out of the wall and trying to pull them into yeah, the wall. Yeah, I almost said something about that. <laughs> you said the wall, coming through the wall, not the door. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't hey. know, if John, if you yeah. remember, I told you guys about that story on one of the early episodes. I, I briefly touched it because it still kind of bothers me now at my 50-some-odd years of age. <laughs> 50 years later, it still bothers me. So you just gave me goosebumps. Thank you. <laughs> it's huge. So, yeah, it, it is totally a big deal. That's what he, and then talking to him years later, actually, I reached out to him this week, like, to verify some of the things I remember him saying, just to make sure I got it right. But that is what he remembers, is that happening with him. And it was a terrifying thing. It wasn't a positive thing. Well, yeah. Also, on top of that, he um, would see what he would say was a black figure in the closet that every time he would try to close the closet, it actually began to push him back. So we would find him on the floor. We, we basically uh, would find him running in the middle of the night to try to get to any of our room. Oh. And he would be, uh, he would say, he would be held down and pinned down by something and wouldn't be able to make it to our room. He, the, the fascinating thing was he seems to be one of the main ones that was more physically like uh, that he remembers more physically touched like that. For me, it was more very vivid, terrible nightmares. Like my parents never let us watch any horror, horror films growing up. No, no scary movies, nothing. We weren't even allowed to watch Smurfs. Like we were that family. Right. So I, I had no concept of, horror like but when I would close my eyes at night like these terrible images would start going through my mind and then that t 
turned into dreams. And then when I would try to wake myself up. Hollywood did influence that. No. This is all, yeah, all from you or from wherever. Yes, but. from wherever, right. It is from wherever, right, right, right. From the spiritual dimension, right, like attacking my imagination. So basically, um, I would have these dreams where I'd have to wake myself up because I was being um, attacked, like, like thrown up in the air and held up in the air and my dreams, like, like by this terrible being. And I'd wake myself up saying, you know, and in my family, it's saying, Jesus, you know, like wake up. And then I wouldn't be able to move. I would have that paralysis mm-hmm. where, where you can't, you're awake, but you can't move. And on top of that, like just paralysis, you, I knew I was awake and I knew I couldn't move. And then on top of that, I could hear buzzing all around me. It was like bees going and a hive on top of me. It was the worst thing. And so that was the only, I would say, physical kind of manifestations on me. But, but visually, I would see those images of my mom and then auditorily, I would hear the doors shut and open and keys and all the stuff. And then even I had friends spend the night and we, this is terrible. They only spent the night one time and then they never spent the night again. Understandably. Yeah. Basically, um, we would hear from my closet, someone say, Amy, like that, like totally creepy. Oh, wow. Creepy. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which for me, like, yeah, it's creepy, but it was also totally validifying my experience with someone else in the room. Like, it may be creepy, but I'm not crazy. Right. And that's all I kind of needed as someone growing up. Like, at least I know this is real because I'm not the only one experiencing this, right? Yeah. So, on top of that, um, yes, my littlest brother had these physical experiences. And then, um, fast forward to when I was. I think 12 or 13, um, my brother was home again because he had gotten kicked out of pre-K. Um, and uh, my mom was on the phone with his principal. And somehow that day, this happens to be the anniversary of her sister's death, by the way. On that day, my mom ended up somehow maybe falling backwards. We don't really know exactly how it happened if she was sitting on a stool and fell backwards but she fell backwards and ended up with three fractures in her skull on every side of her head. Wow. And she got, um, the only reason why she was, is alive. There's two reasons why I think she's alive. One, that the phone didn't hang up and the principal never hung up. And my little brother picked it up and said, Hey, my mom's throwing up. And the principal had our address on file, right? So she sent the Georgetown, fire department to my house and my little brother opened the door, which you can actually find a newspaper article about it. So they, they came in and took her to Georgetown hospital saying she's going to die. This is bad, but we need to take her to Brack, but we can't star flight her cause it's foggy. So we had to drive her to Brack wow. and all this is happening on the anniversary of her sister's death. So my grandparents are just distraught, right? I get home, no one's home. Um, and my brother's like, yeah, yeah, mom just got taken away in an ambulance, right? 
So she gets driven to Brackenridge, and all the while, of course, we grew up Baptist, so we have this prayer tree Mm -hmm. that all the old ladies are praying. And by the time she gets to Brackenridge, um, she's not going to die, but she's in ICU for months, months and months. Okay, so she has this major head trauma. We don't know why. It's a hell of a fall, then. Right, right, right. But in the in the grand scheme of what's been going on in her house for years we have an idea, right? Like, okay, maybe she was attacked, maybe not. We don't know, but it just is so many things have happened up to that point. It's certainly hard to rule that out. Yeah, it is. It is. It's hard to rule that out. There's a lot of those things where I have to kind of step back and kind of see it through a very analytical eye. Um, And that's one of those things. But she basically was in the hospital for a really long time, and my grandparents came and took care of us. And during that time, they met this very um, charismatic couple at the hospital. And, you know, we had been telling our grandparents as kids, like, don't, like, please let us stay at your house. We don't want to stay home. And now they're living with us, and we're like, look, this is bad. This is what's happening. And then my grandparents are like, wow, this is happening. This is real. This is bad. So they found this, um, see, we grew up Baptist, so we didn't do these kinds of things, but they found this charismatic Christian couple that they, like, basically let come into our house, and this couple said, hey, I think we need to pray over your house. Like, your house needs to be cleansed. And my family was like, okay, I guess you can try if the dad agrees, because he has authority over the house. So... So they came in, they prayed over our house, did like anointed it with oil, did the whole nine yards, yeah, spoke in yeah. tongues, all the things. And we we're like, wow, this is crazy, but okay, we need, we need it to get better. Um, and I will say after that point, the physical manifestations did drop off a little bit, but the, um, the overwhelming blanket, the heavy blanket of fear that would fall on you and almost paralyze you. Um, that kept happening. Um, and so we couldn't quite figure out why or what to do about it. And we could tell there were several entities in the room. My little brother would say, yeah, there's four. Like he would just say it. Like there's the really big black one and there's like three of these little minions and the big black one is in charge of these little three ones. And, he tried to get me to do this deal and I said, no. And that's why I got baptized the other day. Like that is what he was telling us. And we're like, Oh my God, what, what is happening? So like maybe we were having feelings, but he could actually see, like see these things. Oh yeah. So that was, that was when we had to get like, my parents were like, yeah, we know that this is what our church is saying, but let's look and see and figure out what else we can do about this. So, In our story, what my mom did was she prayed and she was just fasting and praying and asking God, like, what do I do? What do I do? And what are the open doors? Is it this land? Is it the house? Do do we need to get rid of stuff? I mean, we've had people come by our house and say, you need to throw this away. You need to throw these things away. I mean, we throw away Cabbage Patch dolls. We throw away all those things, right? Because apparently in the 80s, the theory going around was, 
Um, Xavier Roberts was a Satanist and oh, putting Lord. curses on yeah. cabbage patch dolls. <laughs> I had a cabbage patch doll in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a bunch of them. So, uh, so we're like, well, let's throw them away. Like, let's burn them on a br- on a brush pile. Like, <laughs> right. no big deal. Okay. Like, we don't even care. Like, we'll do whatever. So we were just getting rid of things left and right. But finally, in a moment of quietness, my mom heard from God or remembered, like she played with the Ouija board when she was young. Plus, on top of that, she also practiced, like, she was a child of the 60s. She practiced transcendental meditation and astral projection oh, of when course. she was young, right? Yeah. So, um, so when, she, when that was recalled to her mind or whatever, she was like, okay, I really feel like this was a big mistake. And, yeah, I mean, I've, obviously I'm not doing anymore, but I probably need to maybe repent of this. So in what we did for our like for us was she sat in the house and she out loud said, God, I repent of this. I'm sorry. This was wrong. And I need these doors to close. Like I opened some spiritual doorway and I shouldn't have, and I'm sorry. Like, so in the name of Jesus, I shut those doors and we cover them with the blood. And I will tell you from that moment on all, almost all of that stopped. Wow. Except for a general, um, occasional, like, like uncomfortableness, like feeling like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm afraid. I don't know. You know, like for me, that was the case. I mean, yeah, I think my brother, my youngest brother still struggles quite a bit here and there. Like, but I think, you know, some people in life are just a little bit more discerning, right? And they're a little bit more, they can, they're seers, they can see things a little, or they can feel things a little bit more intensely. So he would say he still, he still has to work on, you know, praying over himself or else this would happen or else this would happen. So for, for us, that is what really worked. So Amy, did your mom ever talk about what happened in the kitchen? So this is, this is a really good question. So with, with our family, I think just like a lot of families and my brother and I was just talking about this this week, like why, I don't really understand why we never sat down as a family growing up to discuss like, this is what happened the last couple of years. This is where we're going as a family. Like it kind of was something that they tried to push under the rug for a long time. But, um, when I was in high school, when they were searching through trying to figure out how to get everything just gone and done and, and because we didn't want to move, you know, um, or if we did move, it was probably just going to follow us if it was attached to her. So, um, she did talk to us a little bit about, Hey, I think I did this. So I'm going to, you know, repent of this, blah, blah, blah. And, but her actual accident, she doesn't remember, of course, because it was like such a terrible, like it was a very major head trauma that she had. Yeah. So she remembers, you know, very little of that time frame. Um, and my brother was small. He remembers picking up the phone. He remembers my mom throwing up a bunch. And he remembers the firemen coming in. You, you just said something interesting. You talked about your mother believing that the attachments were to her and not the house. Yeah. Uh, when she was in the hospital, did it lessen in the house? Was was the house calmer? You know, that's a that's a good question. I know that we had... 
I still was having really bad dreams when she was in the hospital. I very vividly remember one that involved all my dolls, um, (laughs) which is super, it's a super creepy dream. But I do remember in my dream, dreaming that I woke up, I dreamed that I woke up and I looked at my dolls and they looked at me and specifically a big raggedy Ann doll looked at me and talked to me in a very demonic voice. And then I woke myself up and I look and yes, all my dolls are just sitting there looking at me. (laughs) And so I, of course, ran to my grandparents' room, my parents' room, which my grandparents are seeing. And so I would say, no, I don't think it got completely better, but I didn't see her walk through the walls while she was gone, you know? Oh, okay. So that's a good question. Some of it lessened. Yeah. There are those that believe that astral projection, if a person Mm. is astrally projecting and they're out of their body, Mm. it leaves their body vulnerable and unguarded. Right. Because your soul is not in in your body at that time. And so a lot of people believe that that is a vulnerability to have something uh, attached to your body while you're not there to defend yourself. Yes, absolutely. Wholeheartedly, I agree with that. And I think that's part of what happened. She She will say that, and she's told us, Um, As kids, she told us that she has a memory of when she was doing this, practicing astral projection, being able to project her, remembering, projecting her soul, I guess, forward a little bit and being able to look back at her body. And then she remembers having that exact thought, oh, no, I've left my body unguarded. I need to get back to my body. Right. Like that was the thought she had in that moment, which is fascinating because I know theologically that that wasn't something that she was taught. No, it sounds instinctual. That's not something that she had read, but it was a revelation she had in that moment. Yeah. So absolutely, I agree with that. I just want to throw something out there. I'm just going to throw it out there and leave it out there. Did you know that the original Annabelle doll is a Raggedy Ann doll? Original Ann. What is Annabelle? What is the original Annabelle doll? Annabelle is supposed to be a demonically possessed doll. Oh, from from like a true story that became a movie or something or what? Yeah, I guess it's a movie. I don't know. Uh, but the original doll is a Raggedy Ann doll. And when you mentioned Raggedy Ann, that made me think of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I believe it. Like there was some, A, it's a creepy doll. Like I don't know what we were thinking in the 80s by thinking that clowns were fun and we're going to decorate <laughs> everything in clowns. But that was the stupid, like anyway, that was growing up in the 80s, like everybody's room, every kid's room is creepy. Yeah. But we had the Raggedy Ann dolls and it had like the little black triangle eyes, looks like a clown. But you, you're not the first person to tell me other creepy things about Raggedy Ann. Like I thought it was my own like weird psyche, like to be like, yeah, I guess Raggedy Ann is creepy. But someone else recently, when I told them that I was going to talk about this said, oh, I had a terrible dream about Raggedy Ann growing up. And I was like, really? She said, yeah, in my dream, Raggedy Ann was under my bed, pulling me under, out of my bed, under my bed. Oh, Like what kid dreams about that? Like out of the blue, when this is like your beloved doll. I can see Raggedy Ann and Andy being kind of creepy. Yeah, but I love them. I do too. I grew up with them just like everyone else in our age group. But at the same time, I see see a creep factor there. Um, But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something to it. Like it was kind of stitched together. And so there was something homey about it. So I could see that. But at the same time, she looks like a weird clown. Yeah. creepy. She is clownish. You're right. (laughs) 
is the house in Georgetown still in your family? So funny story, no. So my family, my parents, when we all moved out of the house, they were like, hey, you guys, we're thinking about retiring to, you know, Sun City, like everyone else in Georgetown. <laughs> my mom did it for a while. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, we can keep the house. And my brother, my youngest brother was the one that says, you know, if you keep that house, I'm not going to come visit. And so because of that, they sold the house. So they don't live there anymore. I often wonder who lives there now. I was going to ask you that. And are they experiencing the same thing? Well, that's why I asked. Right? Yeah. I don't know. It'd be super interesting to find out. They should call in and tell us. Yeah, that would be great. Was this house on a bit of land or was it in a subdivision or, or what was the setting? Yeah, just like most things in Georgetown in the 70s, when you build, um, it's going to be on a little bit of land. Um, so the house that we had is, is in, a, in a subdivision now. Um, but every house has a few acres, basically. Right, like right. our house has a couple plus, of acres. Yeah. yeah. A larger plots for sure, but it's it's in a, a neighbor an established neighborhood now over by Lake Georgetown area. Okay, yeah. So, is there a natural source of water on the property, like a, a stock tank or a, a running stream or creek or anything like that? Oh, interesting. Um, no, no. Uh, there, about a mile away, is the San Gabriel River. So we would go um, as kids and just go play in the St. Gabriel. Of course, we'd have to ride our bikes because it was about a mile away. Right. But it is highly probable because it's Williamson County near the St. Gabriel that it was inhabited by, um, you know, Indians in the past, um, especially because, you know, before they really built a lot of the houses, we were one of the first houses around and we would find arrowheads and we'd find little Indian thingies yeah, there you around go. some of the, you know, yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Yep. That's exactly what I'm getting at. A very good friend of mine worked for large national home builders that were uh, part of who developed Sun City. He used to like to take breaks and go out and walk. Mm. He would find all kinds of Native American uh, points, arrowheads, pottery pieces, and he just used to love to walk out there and search and find stuff. Oh. Um, so I know the whole area was very heavily yeah. inhabited by Native American tribes at one point. Oh, 100%. Yes, they were. In fact, an interesting piece of, of trivia, my great-great-great-grandfather was the first white person in Williamson County. And he he was a Texas Ranger ranger and he was stationed in Williamson County and married an Indian lady and his job was to protect that area from horse thieves and I mean I hate to say this but also he was married to an Indian lady but if anyone was if he caught anyone mostly Indians stealing horses he would go kill them and cut off their ears and this is super creepy so he had a little ear necklace that he had that we actually had in the family. That's the way they did it then. Yeah. yeah. that was that was considered normal. So was that on your mom or your dad's side of the family? I was just going to ask that. Again, see, so this is also a really good trail to kind of follow. It was on my mom's side. How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's very, very so interesting. all sorts of generational things, right, that we have to, like, pray or break off. Like, I yeah. want this to follow me or my kids. Yeah. That is an amazing story. Your whole story from start to finish is amazing. Thank you so much for for sharing your stories with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'm really glad to share it. Thank you very much for asking about it. You have a wonderful evening. You too. Have a nice night. Bye. Hey, Crazy Cats, thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for part two of our Friends and Neighbors personal story series coming soon.